Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by Safe Light Auto Glass. Keep the drive going with Safe Light. I am Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter on the other end. This was, um, boy, I, I got to tell you, buddy, I had mixed mixed emotions watching that on Saturday night. Um, <laughs> from, the, from the standpoint of there is a part of me that is so nostalgic because of Nebraska football and sure. what it is and the pageantry of it and the greatness of it and in the place that it belongs in the pantheon of college football. And it saddens me to see what they've become. Like Ohio state should not roll in to Lincoln on a Saturday night and treat them the way that they treat Rutgers or Maryland. And, and that's what happened. I mean, the, the disparity in talent in the two programs was equal to that of, of Maryland. And maybe that's given them too much credit to say Maryland, but certainly, you know, they're in the Rutgers world. I mean, that's, it's Nebraska. So it's yeah. a weird, I had a weird time watching it for me because I was, I look, you know, I knew Ohio State was going to win, but I was hoping that Nebraska would put up a bit of a fight and, um, and they just didn't, um, they, they didn't have any heart. Um, the talent issue is a talent issue, but as bad as they were defensively, like they, they, it was as if they weren't trying. I mean, it was like Ohio State going against like their number threes, the number ones against the threes. And they just kind of moved up and down the field like a game of flag football. It was yeah. crazy. The, the disparity in in give a damn in talent and i was left kind of buddy honestly like i said kind of just sad about what's happened in nebraska football you know so i don't think nebraska football is ever going to get back to Never. the heights that they were in the 90s and maybe they will maybe they get a huge you know infusion no. of cash and they start cheating a lot more again <laughs> they'll never um, do it legally it's yeah. done it's and maybe done. that happens but you know nebraska doesn't need to be that bad you know what I mean? Like no. they, they need to be better than that. And while I again don't think they're going to be this powerhouse ever again, or at least not in that sense, uh, they they certainly should be better than that. And that was pretty bad. Once J.K. hit that ridiculous, you know, long touchdown run, I think that was it. They they just had no interest in playing the game after that. And that's, I mean, that if I'm a Nebraska fan, that's the thing that demoralizes me the most: the fact that they just kind of capitulated at home that quickly. Because you didn't see anything from them. No they've, they've got some skill players, but man, just a lot of the problems on that team stem from their defense and the secondary, especially. And they just didn't, did not have it whatsoever. I mean, JT Barrett had a great night, and people have been talking about that. And he's getting back mm -hmm. in the Heisman race and all that. But a lot of it is, you know, it's easy to get open when your corners just kind of don't care. And it looked like it, didn't it? Yeah, they weren't. I mean, they weren't. They were kind of like just there, you know. They weren't really trying to clamp down on routes or any of that. They're just like, yeah, we're we're back here. We'll see what happens. And uh, now, you're, you're younger than me. You're younger than me, certainly, but um, not to the point where you wouldn't remember what they were. In oh the no, 90s. yeah, I mean, you that certainly was, remember. I mean, they were Alabama. They were right. Alabama. That they're well, what Alabama is right I now. Mean, Nebraska was that. I the thing is like when I was a kid, so they were really, really, really good. They were at the height of their powers when I was just starting to start to pay attention to college football, right? Okay, like, yeah. and in in my mind, I mean, as as a big of dynasty as Nick Saban has built at Alabama, I I just feel like the level of play, like the disparity between you know the the best teams right now, you know, let's say Alabama and the rest of the field, I don't think that disparity is even close to as wide as it felt like in the 90s. I mean, you looked at some uh -huh. of those Nebraska teams, and you're like, this is an NFL team, like, just stomping on everyone. And so you're right, and let me just jump in real quick. I, w I grew up a Col Colorado fan because I grew up in Montana, and Colorado was really good in the early 90s. So, I, right. you know, naturally, they were the closest. I was going to go there for college. Didn't, but that was the plan. 
And um, Colorado had was good. I mean, Colorado won a national championship uh, in the late 80s, or was it 90? I can't remember. But they had a lot of NFL players. The Michael Westbrook, uh, Cordell Stewart, Eric Bieniemy, Rashawn Salam. Those Colorado teams were good football yeah. teams. And Nebraska would beat them 60 to 20. Right. I mean, they would beat them like a drum. In 95, when Nebraska won the national championship game, they beat Florida like 62 to 24. Right. Florida. And they, like Florida wasn't messing around. It wasn't, I mean, this was Spurrier, Fun and Gun, Danny Werfel. Florida won the national championship the next year. But in 95, Nebraska beat them 60 something to 20 something. And Florida could not tackle Tommy Frazier. So you're accurate that the different, they annihilated people. Yeah. And to, to get to, I mean, it's been 20 years. I get it. It's been a long time, and there's a lot of factors. You're 100% right. They're never going to be what they were again. Uh, the move to the Big Ten was just a critical, critical mistake in terms of trying to stay competitive from a football standpoint. I know they cash a lot of checks, and that's great, um, but they can't recruit Texas anymore. That's over, so they're stuck recruiting the Midwest, and they're like the fifth option in the Midwest. To me, um, they have already fired their AD. Maybe Mike Leach. Maybe they go that way and they throw it 75 times a game and they try to go that way. At Nebraska, you could maybe do that. The other thing I would do is coach Ken at, at Navy and run the triple option. You and I have talked about that. But it's yeah. just I, – I don't know. I, it, it's just sad. And, it, you know, Ohio State was so dominant and so great. And, you know, we – you look at, like, how teams handle their business over the course of the season. And we are so lucky that the football coach at Ohio State is relentlessly improving his football team. And the, you will get people who will say, and I've dealt with them a lot, and I'm sure you get you have too, and they're probably all over the boards, but the idea that, well, yeah, but so what? What happens when you play Penn State? Okay, if your answer to everything is, okay, but what's going to happen when we play Penn State, then you're not going to enjoy any of this. And you also don't know anything about football, because if you watch this team week in and week out, and you just watch what they're doing, they're a different team oh, than absolutely. they were against Oklahoma. And if you well, can't see it, I'm sorry, you don't know football. Okay, I want to say two things about that. First of all, no Ohio State fan enjoys any Ohio State football game ever. It, it's <laughs> it's it's all it's a game of like I need I need this to be the most significant game that's ever happened, and we yeah. have to be underdogs, and I have to be angry the entire time until the very end. That's fine. Like I have no problem with that because I think you know anger and and, and bitterness and grinding your teeth is kind of a very Ohioan uh, thing to do, a, a way to enjoy things, but. Um, you know, like I get it. I mean, internally, I get it. When you you have a team that's really, really good, you're looking at three or four games on your schedule max. You want them to be really good for that. But to the second thing, you are 100% right about how the team has changed. If you just watch the tempo, you don't even have to you don't have to pay attention to the the plays that they're running. If you just watch the tempo of Ohio State against Nebraska, completely different team than what you saw the first two games of the season. Uh, they were just bang, 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 bang. The, the passes that were getting out were crisp. The plays made sense. The, the flow of the game was really well orchestrated. Uh, that is not the same offense by any stretch of the imagination that you saw against Oklahoma or even no. Indiana. Mm -mm. Um, and, you know, again, will it work against Penn State? Who knows? But absolutely, they're not the same team. There has been a no. marked change in their ability and their skill level. And that's that's good coaching, and and you would hope that from you know an Urban Meyer team. So I'm optimistic about it. I'm I'm way more optimistic about the Penn State game than I was uh, a few weeks ago because yeah. the team makes sense now. Yes, it does. No, it does. The the team makes complete sense. Uh, there's a plan. You and I have talked about this every week about 
little things we're seeing in the Ryan Day influence on the Kevin right. Wilson influence, what we're seeing offensively in the evolution. It's been a, it's been a joy to watch. And if people aren't paying attention to it or they just want to naysay it, then I, I'm, to me that's on them. Um, JT Barrett is in the Heisman conversation. He's smack dab in the middle of it. I think I thought I saw today's the fourth fourth betting guy at this time behind the kid from Stanford and um, oh I forget who the second guy was, but but he's like fourth. He's like right there with Baker Mayfield. Um, is, is where he is. And he's going to be in that, and he's going to have showcase games, buddy. I mean, he's got Penn State in two weeks. He plays great against Penn State. And then, you know, the, the, the rest of that month is a challenge with the trip to Iowa and then Michigan State, the bye week against Illinois, and then, and then Michigan. So, um, you know, he's going to have a lot of opportunity to, to handle his business and look impressive. And he's great. I mean, he was, he was absolutely spectacular in the game on Saturday. And we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit later in the show too. when we do kind of some mid season kind of look at how the season's gone at this point. But the other one I say from an evolution standpoint um, against Oklahoma, the Ohio state defensive line was not as dominant as I thought that it would be. And Oklahoma has got a great offensive line, but since right. then they have been. Um, and the, it's the defensive playmakers. If, if you were to say where there's still question marks, it's, it's clearly the secondary. But the front seven, you have got to feel so – they were so dominant. I mean, Nebraska couldn't do a thing. I mean, they just they just couldn't do a single thing offensively. So it was – you know, it, it was a pretty pretty comprehensive beatdown to the Huskers. And it was um, demoralizing. There, did you see the thing in the Omaha paper on, on Saturday that had all these little tiny little Cornhusker guys and then a giant Ohio State Nike? <laughs> yeah, the foot. Yeah. Did you see that? And it just said, here comes Goliath. Right. <laughs> and I just thought like how hard that would be for like a, a diehard Huskers fan to think that they're not Goliath. Like yeah, that they would be the one ones who've been gets... watching for years and years and years. Right. Yeah. Like how foreign can you imagine like 20 years from now, if, if it's somebody who was doing that to Ohio state, like how weird that would feel to be irrelevant. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Awful. I mean, and they're the similar pedigrees programs. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And in the same kind of mentality in terms of like, you know, we should be number one and competing for championships every year. And, you know, it it was interesting because as really insanely, you know, just in every single facet of the game, Ohio State was kind of dominant with the exception of one. And you've got this really great wide receiver putting up 200 yards of receiving Got you know, the, the, Mm -hmm. you know, a relation to an Ohio State great. That was the one thing. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to be a little paranoid about this game, and say that there is a, a possible weakness, if you've got a really elite wide receiver and you've got a guy who can get him the ball, yeah. and you're playing a team that can go toe to toe and actually have skill players and, and depth that yeah. can compete with Ohio State, that's where you got to worry a little bit. And I think that's one of the things that they're going to have to shore up before they get to Penn State because a guy like Saquon Barkley, who I believe. I personally believe can be bottled up. I, I know a lot of people are really, really impressed by his running skills. I think you can shut him down if you're smart, but he's not just a running back. That guy is really good catching passes, especially out of the backfield. Um, that's something Ohio State's going to have to account for. And if you watch a guy put up 200 yards receiving, even in a ridiculous right. uh, you know, beatdown like that, that's something that I think maybe should give people pause just a little bit. Well, the thing about the Barkley thing, I'm one of those people who think that he's spectacular, but, um, and to me, he's the best running back in the Big Ten since Zeke Elliott. I think he's, cl- I think he's like 80%, 80%, 90% of Zeke. But the, the key there is if you sell out to stop him, McSorley can make you pay. Right. And that's, 
you know, with Gasecki and those guys, I mean, they've got players and you, it's an act. I mean, it's a great point to bring up that that, and that's why I mentioned the secondary, there's still some issues there. Uh, you know, Indiana had their way. Oklahoma certainly had their way. And you mentioned the 200 yards from Spielman. So um, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that is, if there's reason for pause, that's it, that, that and the special teams, which are just still dreadful for whatever reason, but um <laughs> You know, th- those are the two factors, and really, though, that might the chickens might not come home to roost on that until the playoff. It might mm-hmm. happen in two weeks against against Penn State. It might happen in the playoff if you get to that point. But um, yeah, th- that's the that's what separates is is are those things. Can you can, can those things get bottled up over the next couple of weeks, and and we'll find out. And honestly, obviously, we cannot wait for the Penn State game because that will be no. spectacular, and we'll have fun talking about it next week. All right, um, coming up next, a little bit later in the show, we will talk about kind of where we are in the season at this point. We'll get to some Ask Us Anythings as well. Uh, coming up next, we will do the Michigan Minute, Penn State and Michigan this week, and then still to come, we're looking forward to this, head wrestling coach Tom Ryan will join the program as well. But first, there's a clear choice in auto glass repair. And we are proud to have them as the title sponsor of this fine program, Safe Flight Autoglass, the Columbus-based industry leader who I can tell you firsthand is that for a reason. A couple of months back, a chip in my front windshield turned into a large crack. I called Safe Flight. I remember the jingle. So I, to be honest, that's what I did. I called Safe Flight. They handle it. The next day, two guys are at my house first thing in the morning. Within 90 minutes or thereabouts, a new windshield was in, and they were out, and they were on their way. They took the old one with them. Put the new one in. I never stop trying to keep my three little boys from doing serious harm to one another. That's what Safe Flight can do. And that's what my Safe Flight experience was like. And I'm telling you that yours will be just as good. All right. With that, it is time for Penn State and Michigan as we spend some time on the Michigan Minute. Let me let's just do this in simplest terms. Uh, which outcome better suits Ohio State? Penn State beating Michigan this week or Michigan beating Penn State this week? Penn State being Michigan. I think Michigan's basically a lost cause at this point. I don't I don't see them. I mean, I don't think they're a lost cause. I don't want to yeah. say they're going like you'll lose every game going out. But you want you want the best looking resume, and I don't want two good teams. I want one very, very good team and then yeah. and then one that's maybe not as great. Because and and frankly, I don't think you're gonna have to worry about that because I think Penn State's gonna stomp on Michigan uh this weekend. But um yeah, I yeah, I'm definitely rooting for Penn State over Michigan, not just because it's Michigan, but because I think that definitely helps out Ohio State more than the other way around. So I'm I am a fan of spectacle. So I want number two Penn State coming to the shoe in two weeks. Yeah. That's right, what I want. Exactly. I mean, I want number two Penn State, number right. six Ohio State. Uh, that's what I want. So I that's I want Penn State to beat Michigan. Um the Michigan Ohio State game is going to be a spectacle anyway because it always is, um, and it'll be up there. So there's a little more juice to it, you know, for Harbaugh to maybe try and spring an upset. Um, what's most weird, I have to think, for Michigan fans is to think that at this juncture, three years into the Harbaugh pro tenure, you're not as good as Penn State. That's got to be a hard thing to wrap your head around. Like they, they thought they were getting their urban. I thought they were getting their urban, and to me. I'm at the point where I'm not going to classify it as a disappointment. I mean, that's silly. It's not a disappointment. He's done a really great job, but he's not urban and he's not Saban. And um, they are so bad offensively. They're just dreadful offensively. It's not even, yeah. it's just awful to watch offensively. And he should have had a bigger impact there. I don't understand how they don't have a five-star quarterback. I don't understand how they don't have a bell cow running back. They don't have any of that. They just are like this squad who runs out there. They're fine. They're actually great defensively. Um, but I'm with you. I, I actually think Penn State's going to motorboat them. I think they're just going to go up and down the field at will, and um, and I think they're going to score a lot of points. I think 
Penn State's going to suffocate them, and I, I think they're quite a bit better at this point. I think Michigan's in trouble. I'm with you. I, I think they are a lost cause at this point, which I never thought I would say. I really thought they'd be there for the long haul this season. Yeah, well, like, I mean, defensively, I mean, if you look at the statistic, defensively, they are either the best or one of the top three best defenses in the country. Yeah, they're they good. played a lot of garbage offenses, and that that helps. But yeah, but they don't give up cheap it. stuff either. We've given up a lot of cheap stuff. They don't do that. Right. Exactly. Well, that's my point. And, and so even if you look at the crappy offenses, they, they are just solid. They are very sound. Everything that they do just makes sense. They're, they're really, really good in all facets of the defense. And you look at the quarterback and you look at some of this other stuff on offense. You're like, how is this possible? How is it possible to be this bad when you've mm-hmm. got Harbaugh out there who's supposed to be this quarterback guru when you've got you know other guys that have come in who are really good recruits have not panned out. Uh, you know, they had they had a guy run for, you know, Higdon run for 200 yards last week, and then that helped them win in overtime against Indiana, which is, I'm sure, a oh, phrase that Michigan right. fans love to hear. Uh, I, it shouldn't be this bad. It just really shouldn't. Oh. And I don't know that there's any kind of excuse for it. I, I assume they're going to continue with O'Corn, but he passed for 58 yards against Indiana. He was 10 for 20. Like, I don't understand. Like, it just it blows my mind that they're that inept. And yeah. it, it's crazy because of the, the difference between how good their defense is and, and legitimately a great defense and how unbelievably god-awful their offense is. And you're not going to win a shootout with Penn State or even Ohio State, frankly. Uh, I, any team that puts up, like, 25 or more points on, on Michigan is going to beat them, like, period. And if you can manage that, you're good. And And so I just – you know, maybe they'll find a guy, maybe Higdon's the dude, but we've, you know, people were saying that about Ty Isaac, people were saying that about John O'Corn because he had a good half, you know, yeah. <laughs> of a game. Like, they've got to find something. they got to figure out something. I don't know if Higdon's the, the answer to that, uh, but it's, it's baffling. unfortunate for them that they got to play Penn State this weekend. That's, that's really yeah. the biggest problem for them. They don't have yeah. weeks to figure it out. they got a no. week. No, and Penn State's coming off a bye, so they're going to be rest, right. they're going to be ready to roll, and um, you know, everything that you said that's a problem is accurate. And the, the thing that's crazy and hard for me to wrap my head around is Jim Harbaugh as an offensive coach. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, he should have had, he sh- at this point, he should have a blue chip quarterback and a blue chip tailback for what he's trying to do. He's trying to run right. pro offense and he doesn't have it. It's just crazy to me. It's nuts. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to be able to fix it, uh, against Penn state. I don't, I don't have any faith in that. Um, uh, and no. honestly, like you would, you would think at this point in the season, because like that was the thing, you know, if you start out poorly, I mean, you, if you're a good coach, coaching staff, you start out poorly, that sucks, but you can, you can make improvements, you can change, especially against the crappier teams in your schedule. That's what Ohio State's done. Okay, you mm-hmm. look at that and you're like, all right, okay, Ohio State, we're figuring things out, got some playmakers, get into That's the right. right people. Michigan has done the complete opposite of that. Absolutely, <laughs> taken a poor D de- or a poor offense and made it worse against the easier part of their schedule, which is yep. nonsensical. So I don't think they're going to make any kind of noise against Penn State. I think Penn State's going to demolish them, and it's going to lead some real soul-searching in uh, Ann Arbor. They're going to have to figure some things out. And furthermore, Penn State's ahead of them in recruiting, too. Franklin's recruiting yep. like a monster. Uh, so he's beating them on the football field, and he's beating them in recruiting right now, and nobody saw that coming, not with how hard it is with all the, all the stuff at Penn State. He's done a hell of a job. People want to run him out of there a year and a half ago, and now look at him. He's done yep. a fantastic job. So I think you and I kind of see this one the same way. Uh, we want to remind you to be sure and visit 11 Warriors Dry Goods for shirts, hats, stickers, <laughs> and more drygoods.11warriors.com. It is with great privilege and honor that we welcome the head wrestling coach at Ohio State, Coach Tom Ryan, joining us. Uh, coach, before we get into the wrestling, I, I do want to share a quick story that, of an interaction I had with you 
Uh, my last day in Columbus, after I wrapped up at Channel 10 and at 97.1 The Fan, I was trying to move, and I wanted to get my boys to the shoe. And so I had my two little boys, and we went down to the shoe, and they were having some sort of a concert. I don't remember what it, whoever the concert was. So normally, I would just walk in, and the security people to the shoe, they knew me well enough where they would say, hey, Bo, come on in, let's go. But on this day, they'd like outsource security, and it was like Fort Knox. Like, you couldn't get in there. And my boys just, you know, I wanted to take them down there, and the kids are all excited. And you did the, I don't even know if you remember this or not, but you did the most kind thing. You came over and you said, Hey, Bo, come with me. And, and the, the, you go, there he's with me. And so you, I walked in there with you and they had like, they were set up for Miley Cyrus or whatever at one end, but my boys were able to get out on the field. So I just wanted, I, I, you, you split off, you had work to do, but I, I'll always remember that moment. And then you went a national championship the next year. And so we'll remember that for more. But uh, I always wanted to thank you for that because um, it was a really cool thing. And actually my, my oldest boy still has a picture of him standing on the on the field in his in his room, and that's because of you. So thank you for that. That's cool. My pleasure, man. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah, um, it's a great story. Thanks for sharing that. Well, it was it was a big moment for them, and you you know that's what I in the dealings I had with you on wall to wall sports and the way that your program you know came about. It it was like it's like a comet what happened over the last five seven years. I know it's been a decade or so of work, but um, yeah. you you guys just exploded onto the scene the last five or seven years and have become you know, one of the finest wrestling programs in all of America. And um, what's that, what was that journey like for you to get the program to where it is? Um, you know, Ohio State's a special place. Uh, the state is a great, obviously it's a great wrestling state. Uh, and I just feel really blessed that I was able to, um, you know, be in a position to run the Ohio State wrestling program. So I feel really fortunate. You know, one of the things that a lot of people bring up, and especially with Ohio State Wrestling, is is the culture and the attitude that you've been able to bring to it. And it, I, like, one of the things that we really, really want to do on 11 Warriors is get people to understand just the culture of wrestling and why it's so exciting and why people need to kind of get involved. How has Ohio State Wrestling culture changed under you? And, and what do you think people should know about it if, who may not be super well acquainted with, you know, how wrestlers work? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that uh, I, I guess I believe in the in the law of attraction, right? Um, got here 11 years ago and uh, was able to uh, surround myself with a lot of great people. You know, I think a lot of the credit of what what's happened here uh, goes to Gene Smith. Uh, Gene's a guy that um, a leader that you know has been 12 programs and in. in uh, in USA history to ever win the NCAAs, and he's been a leader at three of them. So I think, you know, as a Northeast Ohio guy, he understands wrestling, and he understands winning and leadership, and he's really provided us with a lot of the opportunities that we need, that we needed to to build a program uh, that's going to win and and have sustained winning. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, coming from Hofstra, I knew that this was a place that, that could win, win big, win often, and and win for a long time, and uh, you know, sustained success is what is what we want. And this state is one of the one of the great wrestling states in the USA, right? Many of the top recruits in the country are born and raised in this state, so uh, it's been it's been quite a privilege, uh, you know, to be able to run the program. Coach, you um you you are rec- you you have an athlete on your team now who is a yeah, I mean he's a he's a global superstar, is what he is. Yeah. Um, you know he's 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 Jesse Owens, Jack Nicholas type right. stuff, right? I mean how, sure. 
you know, we've, we've chronicled it and we talk about it on this show a lot. And, um, and, and I, I think more and more people are becoming aware of, of what he is and talking about Kyle. Um, when did you know he, did you know he would be this special? How, at what point? I mean, this is otherworldly stuff. I mean, it's crazy. Like he is a worldwide superstar and he's still a collegiate yeah. wrestler. It's hard to wrap your head around. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, you know, we knew we knew when he was watched with the Ironman as a sophomore, win the Ironman, you know, which is a great tournament, high school tournament run, you know, every year of at Wallace Jesuit. Uh, we we saw something really special in him. Uh, started recruiting him as a you know as, a, as a, you know, late in his sophomore year, and he committed as a junior in high school. And that summer, he won the world championships, became the youngest American to ever win the junior world. You know, we knew he was really special, but to say that a college student was going to win two world titles and an Olympic gold medal, uh, that would even be a stretch by someone who believes that, he, that, that human beings can do remarkable things, right? So, <laughs> right. so he's even, I hate to say he's exceeded, you know, expectations. You know, right now, I don't know if an American has ever been pound for pound the best wrestler in the world. No. And this guy right now is is rated as pound for pound the best wrestler in the world. He's the GOAT, right? He's the greatest of all time right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're just really fortunate. He chose Ohio State. We knew he was really special. But to think that a, that, that, that a human being would go on to do what he's done in this time frame, you know, even, even our staff is pretty, uh, you know, pretty amazed by what he's been able to accomplish. Well, you don't dare to dream that big, right? Like whatever expectations you have on a kid, you don't think, I mean, you can't make yeah, right. this. Oh, right. It's Tiger Woods. Like people don't yeah, do this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this guy, this guy, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, you know, obviously the backbone of his, his success is, is hard work, right? This guy, you know, this guy, you know, I would want the world to know that he understands that deep, consistent, relentless suffering is needed uh, to attain what many think is the impossible, right? This guy, day in and day out, understands chosen suffering. Uh, He puts himself through a lot of discomfort constantly so that when showtime comes, he's really ready. I think that's a backbone. The other thing about Kyle that's so unique is that he's so humble, right? I mean, he's he has an incredible faith, which is a, which is absolutely uh, a critical component to his life. Uh, he doesn't believe this is about him. He believes he's created in the image of, of, a, of a loving God, and he taps into that constantly. So when you start to mix hard work with character and talent, you've got the components of someone that, that can do things that most people can only, uh, you know, fantasize about. So, He's been he's been a real blessing to coach. It's it's unfortunate he's a senior. I wish he was a he was a freshman. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Like it's as much as I would love to wax poetic about Kyle Snyder, you know, for the next hour and a half. Uh, it's not he's not the only guy on the team. I mean, you've got a really right. great roster of guys. And one of the things that I've always said about wrestling is that I, I love the fact that you talked about like selective suffering and and, and that you know desire to yeah. go through pain to achieve greatness. Because to me, and I've, I've said this multiple times on our podcast, that I think, you know, folk style wrestling, collegiate wrestling is really the, the best or most true Midwestern art form, in part because yeah. of what you just said. And what I want to know is what separates 
your wrestlers? What is their art? What is their style that sets them apart from a Penn State or an Iowa? What makes them different? What makes them unique? Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously Penn State's got an amazing program. You know, Tom Brands, the head coach at Iowa, was a teammate of mine. His brother, his twin brother, was a roommate of mine for three years. And they do a tremendous job. So we really focus on being authentically us. And authentically us looks like a team that just loves what they do. Right. I mean, love is the, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no power in the world greater than love. Right. So, so we really try to hone in, find young, young uh, prospects that, that aren't only good at what they do, but, but love what they do, deeply love what they do and know who they are. So, so, uh, you know, up and down this lineup, you know, you'll find people that it's not work. It's hard work, but it's not work. It's kind of their opus, right? It's their labor of love. They can't imagine their life. Uh, you know, themselves being involved in anything other than what they're doing. And uh, when you have people around you that that view sport that way and life that way, you know, magical things happen. And this is, you know, I've been I've been coaching now for 25 years. You know, as a competitor, as you know, for Dan Gable, we had some great teams. And this team could arguably be the best team that I've ever coached or ever been on. And a lot of that is just based on the personalities of these guys who just love what they're doing. So that's kind of the focus. You you uh, you mentioned coming up at Iowa, and that that is the if it's not the greatest you know collegiate sports dynasty of all time, it's in the conversation. I mean, it's it's Iowa wrestling, it's UCLA basketball, whatever else. I mean, it's 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 the it's one of them. If it's not the one, um, what what. What what lessons do you did you take from from Coach Gable that that you apply? Do, uh, probably many. Um, what what are, yeah. what was it like wrestling for him? What was it like wrestling in that program? You know, Coach Gable was a very uh, humble, quiet leader. I don't remember in all my years at Iowa uh, being uh, belittled, being talked down to. You know, I think Coach Gable was just someone who was quiet. And by example, you know, he taught us the things that needed to be done. So uh, I would say probably that's the biggest thing that I learned from Coach was that he was, neg- he was, he was never negative. He was always positive. Uh, and I think that positivity, uh, you know, was something that, um, you know, I think the number one complaint of student-athletes in general is the, is the temperament of their coach. And, you know, when you, when you understand that uh, – uh, you know, imposing your negativity on people, they can't run from it, right? I mean, they're responsible for your practice at times. So that's probably the biggest thing I learned from Coach Gable. He's extremely positive, but also he was extremely competent. He was a very competent guy in peaking, in training, and everything he said, you know, I kind of hung, hung on his every word. So I was really fortunate to, to wrestle for a man like Coach Gable. That's pretty fantastic. Uh, you know, one of the other things that we're, we're trying to do on the site is we really want to encourage people to get out to uh, into the meets and things like that and the duels. But what, I mean, what is something about your team or, or a wrestler that, that people should know about that if they only know about Ohio State wrestling and, and Kyle Steiner, who else should they know about? What else should they know when they want to, uh, you know, watch one of these events? Yeah, you know, I love, the, obviously I love my team. Um, and, you know, hopefully you guys, get a sense of how appreciative we are of 11 Warriors and what you guys have done for us. You know, to sell out the Penn State duel last year, I mean, it takes, it takes you know, organizations like yours that, 
that are willing to cover uh, this sport because it's a, it's, it's a great sport that teaches a lot more than, than winning and losing. So really, really thankful for what you guys have done for us. So um, I would say, you know, up and down the lineup, you know, as the coach, I know them personally. You know, I know their stories. Nate Tomasello is one of the great lightweights of all time at 125. So, so fans, spectators, you know, I think Buckeye Nation just loves excellence. And this team yeah. exudes that at every weight class, right? So you got a Nate Tomasello who, who uh, you know, is three-time reigning Big Ten champion, and he's suffering right now from an injury. And, and uh, you know, he told the team the other day that regardless, you know, despite my injury, there's no way that I'm not going to help this team win a national championship. So people feed off him. Uh, you know, Luke Pletcher, obviously, at 133, um, you know, s- sacrifice to the team last year. He's not a 41-pounder. But when, when Keyshawn got hurt, you know, he had, to, uh, he had to step in there. And he did a fantastic job for us. At 141, you've got Joey McKenna, a great story, uh, a perfect score on the SAT, uh, a Stanford, you know, two years at Stanford. But besides that, you know, despite, um, despite what he thought he initially wanted, he chooses to leave Stanford, give up a full scholarship at Penn State, a full ride at Lehigh, a full ride at Stanford offers, and come to Ohio State uh, because he wanted to be part of something special. Keyshawn Hayes at 49, right? He was injured last year, coming off an injury. Uh, steps, you know, he, so he's, he'll be 41 or 49. You've got the Jordan brothers. Right? You've got their, their uncles, a congressman, uh, a senator, rather. You've got uh, his dad's a 17-time reigning, you know, state championship coach, amazing human beings. You've got, you've got Campbell or Bircher at 65. If it's Campbell, he transfers in, leaves a full ride at Pitt to come be part of something special. You know, I said the law of attraction is so in place. You've got Miles Martin, the youngest black guy to win a national title, one of 13 true freshmen to ever win it. Come watch him at 84. Come watch Colin Moore, the small-town boy from Norway and Ohio at 197. That, was, that took the world by storm last year, 197 pounds. Took third in the world. Or if you don't want any of that, then just come watch the three-time reigning world champion, <laughs> champion Kyle Snyder, right? So it's like... It's like Pick your poison, man. <laughs> That's it's, great, man. That's you know, an amazing I, trump card at the end, right? Like all right? of that. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, you like that? All right. Well, yeah. That didn't do it? One of the things that, that stunned me, right, stunned me about, by, by the Buckeye Nation is, you know, we wrestled Penn State in a duel last year in front of 16,000 people. Yeah. And it wasn't going that well. We had a lot of guys out, and that's not an excuse, right? But, but it was a tough duel for us. You know, we beat them in the Big Tens later, and then they beat us in the Nationals. But at the, in the duel meet, not one person left because, despite the fact the duel was over, because Kyle Snyder was coming out to wrestle. And it taught me so much about the people of this state and how much they love excellence. And, you know, no one left despite the fact the duel was over because they wanted to see something really special compete. And he delivered. And, uh, you know, so, so, you know, I feel like I'm the luckiest man in the world. I feel like I've hit Lotto ten times over. You know, I get to be at a place that loves athletics, loves loves excellence, and I've got a team of people that I just I care a lot about, and uh, you know we just feel really fortunate. Well, Coach, we feel like we won the lotto with you, so it's it's uh, we really appreciate <laughs> your time. This was excellent, and uh, we can't wait for the season to start, man. You know that. Thanks, man. I really appreciate what you guys do. I hope I can. I hope you you understand that. I can't say it enough. Thank you so yeah, much. We, I mean, we appreciate all that you've been doing as well, and that's we're really lucky to to have you on and to be able to talk to you about it. Thanks, guys.
All right, don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter and rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast. Please rate us high. It would do good for Johnny and I. All right, mm-hmm. uh, look, normally we preview a game at this point, but we, we don't have a game. We have a bye week. So we do. Here, here's three things on a bye week. Number one, stay out of trouble. <laughs> number two, stay out of trouble. Number three, stay out of trouble. And number four, don't get hurt. So that's it, right? I mean, there's not, yeah. you just got to steer clear. I don't, I don't need to be, you know, getting a text at 4.45 in the morning on a, on Saturday morning, somebody oh, gets a DUI, like just steer clear of the nonsense for a week, boys. We got Penn State coming and um, that's going to be just a hell of a show. So I hope that, that, that can, that can be uh, handled this week uh, down in the capital city. Yeah. Don't, don't tweet, stay off social media. Right. Stay at home. Don't, right. don't do anything. Don't do anything fun. Just stay on lockdown until it is absolutely necessary to leave where you that's live. That's right. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, it's become a hermit or a monk, and that's good. You'll be fine. That's uh, right. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly I just, right. I want to enjoy everyone else having a crappy week and just, you know, just just stay chill. You know, that's all I'm saying. That's so. all we're saying. All right, we we do have some time for some Ask Us Anything. So if you have somebody, let's fire away. Yeah, let's do it. All right, Ask Us Anything. You can hit us up uh, at 11Dubcast on Twitter or dubcast at 11warriors.com. Uh, first one is from Evan. Uh, he's got two questions here. First one is, what is it meant by the phrase twitched up or like fast twitch? What, what, what do people mean when they refer to players like that? Well, it's completely self-explanatory. It just means quick. Yeah, That's pretty it. much. It just it's means kinda, quick. Yeah, it just means like you can, you're can. you explosive, you're quick, <laughs> agile. Yeah. I mean, it's if you remember, I mean, we've had a lot of them. There's a lot of guys who are fast. Quick is different. You yes. Know? Like sometimes oh, yeah. you take, a lot of times you take quick over fast. Right. So, you know, I think that's, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's just quick. Yeah, both both of these guys are really good. But, I mean, you, you probably would not compare the speed of, let's say, a Ted Ginn to the speed of a Braxton Miller. I mean, both of these excellent right. players. But Ted Ginn's right. top-end speed is the fastest guy I've ever seen on a football field. Uh, but in a box, Braxton Miller is going to make, you know, 15 dudes miss. So Braxton Miller would be the fast twitch one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, second question from Evan. He says, uh, name a food item or dish that you were made to eat when you were a kid that you absolutely stay away from now. He says he does not like oatmeal. He tries to avoid oatmeal <laughs> at all times. Um, you know, oh, my. Oh, God, it's funny. I didn't. This just jumped into my head. My dad loved bologna sandwich. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, my God. And I, I mean, I have not had a bologna sandwich in probably 25 years, 20 years at least. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's as bad as it was in my mind's eye. He ate a lot of weird crap like that. Like he would have liverwurst sandwich. Oh, oh, God, just the smell of it. Just this processed. Oh, terrible. But yeah, so that would liverwurst or bologna sandwich. One of those. I haven't had either one in a very long time. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I was really excited that he asked this question because um, I feel like I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, man, my family, we, we've got some weird foods that we've concocted. When I was a little kid, uh, to calm me down, or when I was just being a little turd, my mom would give me something called uh, Pepsi milk, which is pretty self-explanatory. It's milk and Pepsi. Wow. That seems terrible. <laughs> that could be a terrible combination. Well, yeah. And when I was a kid, I thought it was delicious, apparently. And then I tried it years later. I'm like, what? Pepsi milk? What? And then I drink some of that. <sighs> and I, I tried it, and it's, it's disg- it tastes like vomit. It's just actual sure vomit. It does. Yeah, I can't deny it at all. Yeah. And the other thing is, and I was kind of ashamed of this when I got into college, uh, you know, I, I moved into this duplex with a couple other guys and first mm-hmm. week there. 
and I'm making myself some dinner. And one of my roommates comes in and he's like, Hey man, you know, it smells pretty good. What are you making? I'm like, Oh, I'm making tuna no casserole. I'm like, Oh, gonna, gonna put out a little pan, you know, gonna like, you know, put it in some yeah. like, cream or whatever. I'm like, mm, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And he's like, well, you're making tuna no casserole. I'm like, yeah. And so I got my Kraft macaroni and cheese. I got my cans of tuna and I'm just dumping them in the same pot. Like wow. that's what I put in peas. Cause that's what we do. <laughs> the wow. And he was Jeez, like, that's not Johnny. So yeah, and, and, I, and look, I still like it, but I, I always feel a little guilty when uh, that that gets that gets made. So, um, <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway, I'm really glad he asked that question. All right, this one's from Alvin. Uh, on a bye week, do you take a bye week uh, yourself as a fan, no. or do you continue to watch all the football games? I don't watch all of them, but I'll pick two or three that I'll like. I'll watch Penn State, Michigan. I mean, I'll watch every snap of that. Um, and if there's another one that, you know, I, I surf around, I love nothing more than Saturday night. I, um, that's when I really can dive in is, you know, Saturday night, the boys go to bed and I get a chance to, to scour over some games. So what, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll jump around, but no, I won't take the bye week I, I bye week the NFL. I don't need the NFL. I can do without, but college football, that's pretty sacred. I will, I'll pick maybe one or two games to focus on, but I try to, I try to relish the bye week a little bit. I'm going to go down to the pumpkin festival uh, next weekend. I want to check that out. Circleville? Yeah. There yeah. We went there a couple of years ago. It was really good, but uh, hopefully we can avoid some of the crazy lines. We're going to leave like four in the morning or something stupid so we can just enjoy ourselves. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I try to enjoy it a little bit. I might, I might check out a game or two, but I don't really make a, a point of a point of it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this actually refers back to either an episode or two episodes ago. You said you had an immense problem with millennials, and I don't know that you elaborate on. It. I believe it was something. It was an interaction that you had with uh, with our guys on the uh, Eleven Warriors report. Um, this is from Kyle. Oh, I didn't say what it was. Yeah. What was the beef? Besides, I mean, oh, besides the fact that they haven't the seen the Sopranos. or Dan, neither one of them had seen The Wire or The Sopranos. Right. Right. Was there anything else though? Was there a second one? I thought there no. was like. A- Okay. No, that's it. That's a big enough gripe. Yeah, I, I mean, just, it's it's fair. Yeah. No, yeah, no, that was it. I know there's. I get a big problem with these kids. I don't understand it. <laughs> no, that was it. There was no other problem. I, they're both wonderful boys, but uh, no, I mean, come on. Yeah. See one of those shows. You've had plenty of time. They're not in college anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, I no, agree. Don't excuse it. I agree, but honestly, but. part of me really enjoys the fact that they they piss you off that much about that because your reactions on the show to me are <laughs> funny things. It looks like I've never seen someone physically have to restrain themselves from murdering someone else on television <laughs> until I see. Uh, remember what I did to poor Kev? These things. How about the one with Kev? When I asked, oh, yeah. no, that was that was last year, episode season one of the Eleven Warriors report on Spectrum right. Sports, which we encourage That's you to still check my out. Favorite. Um, I ask all the guys on the panel, Kev's sitting in for somebody. I don't remember who and Kev, God bless Kev. I love the kid. And he's sitting in, and I, I, you know, we do like best moment, your, your favorite, your best moment as a Buckeye fan, you know, so, you know, or as an observer or whatever. And so we all had these moments or whatever, great moments. And Kevin goes, he goes, uh, the game against Virginia tech. (laughs) And and I go, I go, what? I said, what? He goes, oh, not not necessarily because of wins or losses, but the sunset. It was just spectacular. <laughs> and I just and he was serious, like earnest as a you know, as a children's novel, you know, just <laughs> this simple. And I thought I the look, it was all natural and none of it's manufactured. That's my reaction. Those are my reactions when when well, kids say things. So and they're fair. And, yeah. and look, you know what? 
as a high school teacher, I experience moments like that at least two or three times a day. <laughs> so I get it. And, and, and it's and it's a perfectly human way to react yeah. to answers like that. So I, I, I am right there with you. Uh, last one real quick. This is from Costa. Uh, he says, uh, was talking to my parents this weekend as they passed through the Greenbrier and they raped how wonderful the bunker tours there were. However, it's a historical site I haven't heard about often. Thoughts from your end on some of the most underrated historical sites that you have visited? Well, the most underrated one that I've uh, visited was um, uh, Battle Little Bighorn Battlefield, uh, Custer's oh, yeah. Last Stand, where uh, Chief Joseph, or um, Sitting Bull and Crazy Horse annihilate uh, the arrogant George Armstrong Custer. And, um, and it's a pretty amazing spot because you can get up high enough and you can see how stupid it was what he did. And so right. it's not like a plateau, right? Yeah. And so people here, you know, you probably, if you're never in Southeastern Montana and it's, you know, it's kind of out of the way. So it's not like it's one you're going to frequent. I suppose if you're ever going to do like a Mount Rushmore Deadwood, uh, you could kind of pin pigeonhole it into there a little bit. Um, but, but it's pretty, it's pretty cool. That would be mine. So, I, I mean, I thought about this question a lot, right? And I'm a, I'm a history teacher, Naturally, so yeah. I, I want to give a good answer. And you know, I've been to Boston and people always rave about all the stuff in Boston. There's so many great things in Boston that people mm-hmm. aren't really aware of uh, beyond like the Freedom Trail and all that stuff. You know, they want to go to the Constitution and that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really recommend going to like the, the old meeting house. They've got some really interesting artifacts. There's the, the, the head of the cane that beat the crap out of Charles Sumner and the, the Senate in the 1850s, 1860s. Uh, they've got all kinds of neat stuff there. But here's what I would say. I think it's really important for people to understand that there's history around them everywhere, like everywhere. If you go to like the Ohio you know, website where they list all the historical markers and stuff, you will be dumbfounded at how yeah. much stuff is around you. Ohio, for example, and I'm just, you know, assuming that, you know, we're talking to an Ohioan, but um, there is so much underground railroad history, for example, just that one facet of history. There's so much of it everywhere. I did this, uh, I did this project with my students last year where they, uh, had to do some um, research about the Charles Young House, which is uh, basically a preserved house of one of the first like Buffalo soldiers who rode from Ohio to Washington, D.C. to prove that he was fit for service in World War I. Um, there's just all kinds of stuff all around Ohio and the, in the United States. I really, really recommend that people take a look at that local history because you may be really shocked about the amount of stuff that you can find. Um, there's, there's all kinds of great places that you know i can rattle off and, and yeah. places that a lot of people have been to i mean especially like civil war battlefields i love those uh, i think antietam is a place that people really don't think about when they think of civil war battlefields but you absolutely should it's the bloodiest single day in american yeah. history mm-hmm. um but to me i think it's important that people check out their local history and there's a ton of it so i would recommend checking that out well said buddy yeah and that's and that's ask us anything sorry we had to blast through pretty quick but uh keep sending those in that was great no, that was. All right. Uh, next week, we will do Penn State game week, which I uh, look forward to uh, thoroughly, and I know you do as well. We want to thank uh, Coach Tom Ryan. We want to thank Safe Light. A uh, good show as always, my friend. I'll visit with you next week. Yep, absolutely. See you next week.